What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang, Chris Grenham, and we're going to do what we do best, and we're going to talk about the Celtics after another catastrophic loss, consecutive nights, losing in jaw-dropping, you know, hands-on-the-head type ways. Uh, on, on Wednesday, they lost to the Spurs because Jalen Brown smoked the bunny, and on Thursday, they lost to the Knicks because they blew a 25-point lead, and R.J. Barrett banked in a three-pointer at the buzzer. Throw it out to you guys. Uh, takeaways from tonight's game. What uh, what stood out to you guys most? I mean, where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> I think no, like, I didn't know where to start either, which is why I threw it to you guys. One thing that's sort of I've been thinking about is how like these types of losses and collapses have just sort of been normalized over the past two years. Like I know the Knicks have been not very good over the past however many decades, but like that stat that they showed on the broadcast that this was their biggest come from behind win since I think 2004. Like this isn't normal. I think there's another stat going on. This is the fourth time the Celtics have given up a comeback of at least 19 points this season, like this year. They love it. And no other team has done that more than twice. Like this is just such a normal occurrence now. Like I don't think anybody thought that the 25 point lead was safe. I saw a lot of tweets when they were up by 20 plus points early in this game saying like, I don't trust it. Like talk to you in the fourth quarter, like kind of joking around, but that underlying seriousness where everyone, even when they're up by 25 points against a struggling Knicks team, like there's a good shot. They blow this and they did. And then, you know, in the second half, the Knicks cut it to 10 and I was like, oh, here we go. And the Celtics answered and they pushed it back out to like, I think they got it back to like 16, 17, 19. 18, 19. There you go. 19. Yeah. So they, and I was like, okay, maybe this is something new. But yet, as Tom and I said on the last pod, they're very creative in finding ways to lose, finding ways to give up these leads. And they gave Celtics fans a glimmer of hope there. And then it just immediately went to shit very, very quickly. Uh, but yeah, it is a pattern that we've come to expect and they have given us no reason to think otherwise when they're losing these games, when they're winning these games. Like I have no reason to believe that they're going to hold on to those leads. Why, why would any of us? And even on like a larger scale, I remember, so Tom texted being like, if they lose, we have to pod, <laughs> but if they had won and we potted, I feel like our thoughts about the team would be the same. Like they, even if they win a game, like even when they won the Phoenix game, there's like no reason to believe that like, this is the start of something new. Like until they do it consistently, it's just even an isolated win. It's not even like a feel good, like, Oh, like we're really changing the tide here. Like, no. Yeah. And these aren't even crazy, like immediate reactions to just the Knicks game. These this doesn't like change. We've been saying the same stuff again and again. So this isn't like an overreaction to the Knicks loss. And it wasn't an overreaction to the Timberwolves loss. This is just who they are. And We've been saying this since the first Tristan Thompson game. It's, it's very funny too, because, you know, Nicole, you, you brought up the shooting. They get unsustainably hot sometimes. And you just know that there is going to be this complete reversion, like this all the way back down reversion. And that's what this team does. Like we don't really know who this team is. Because there doesn't seem to be a middle ground. I guess who this team is, is, is the up and down, right? Yeah. It, it, there is no, the Celtics played a normal game. They don't, they don't play normal games. They sometimes beat the Suns 
but more often they lose to, you know, the Timberwolves with nobody in there. Well, yeah, can so. I just share something real quick? A lot of people keep referencing this great Suns win. That was basically a 10 a.m. start for the Suns. Like, <laughs> I, I, without DeAndre Ayton, if with, I, yeah. Like, I, I just don't think that was as great of a win as people were hailing it to be at the time. I just, I hadn't spoken about the Suns game uh, on the record yet. So all of our, you know, fans who were itching to hear my take on that game, <laughs> there it is. The funny thing is, I actually almost thought, and this is going to sound ridiculous. I almost thought that the Magic game was a better win than the Suns game, even though it's the Magic. I know. But here's the thing. That's a in that Magic game. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I know what I said. Here's the thing. In that Magic game, like Jalen took it over and said, I'm not losing this game. And, and, he, and he, he succeeded. And it was funny after the game because he said, like, you know, this is a new year, new us, like New Year's resolution. And he was kind of joking because obviously, like, everybody, like, breaks their New Year's resolutions. But the thing is that, like, every once in a while you keep your new year's resolution and you actually like build a new habit from that. And it doesn't become about the new year's resolution. It becomes about the process of building something new. And I was, when I was watching that magic game, I was like, this is kind of interesting. Jalen, he isn't the go-to guy at the end of games. And I was like, maybe the Celtics have found something here. Maybe Jalen can be a little bit more of a closer. I don't think that's going to be what happens because that's not usually what happens with resolutions. And sure enough, you know, but it was this brief moment where I was like, that's kind of interesting to me. And that it wasn't. No, I, I totally see your point there. And like, I think there are circumstances where it would be a good one, but we should contextualize this by saying <laughs> that was against a magic team that's 32 and it required <laughs> overtime. A hundred percent. I want I mean, part of it was like, you know, I set all these new year's resolutions for myself and I wanted to keep them too. So I hear Jalen say that and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in like, let's like, let's, let's all resolve to be different people this year. And I think the first topic that we should probably get to here is Ime Udoka did a lot of things that I think, you know, we question a little bit. I don't see an, a good argument for Dennis Schroeder closing games. Is there a good reason to have Dennis Schroeder on the floor uh, in crunch time? No, not there hasn't. And there hasn't been. And I don't, I don't like him. Even there have been a couple games where he's closed and they've won. And I still don't think it's a good decision. Dennis, what, the Celtics have issues with down the stretch is promoting ball movement is preventing isolation. Dennis Schroeder is a good scorer, and I get he's probably the third best scorer on the Celtics team. He is the third best scorer on the Celtics team, but he is an isolation centric ball stopping guard. That's who he is. What he does well is what the Celtics are trying to get away from down the stretch. Now that's like an individual thing with his game. I don't think pairing a 33% three-point shooter next to Marcus Smart is the right thing to do for a variety of reasons. One, I mean, this team is in desperate need of shooting, so putting him out there to close games doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you have other options who might be shooting better than Dennis Schroeder. But when you put him out there next to Marcus Smart, specifically in a closing lineup, it takes away from what you are trying to get smart to do. It turns smart into that shooting guard, essentially, which is not the best way to utilize him. I think we are all very aware of that by now. And you can't knock smart for like taking that shot down the stretch when, you know, a lot of people are pointing out Jalen Brown was open on the other side of the floor. Well, he's now in that shooting guard role next to Schroeder. That's just kind of what he becomes out there. And I don't think that's the best way to utilize him at all. So I think there's a variety of different reasons why Schroeder is a bad match. I think he goes against what the Celtics are trying to do with that closing lineup. I think it hurts smart. And I think there's better options. And I just don't 
I don't think it's a good use of those minutes at all. I, I really, really, especially against a bigger lineup like the Knicks tonight. It just, I could go all day. It makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Obviously echo everything Grenham said. And then two, just like generally, if you're trying to inject a little bit more creativity in your potential game planning for those final minutes, like the clutch time, having just another ISO option isn't going to foster any of that. Like you need to spice it up a little bit more. And like Marcus, I know you guys potted after it, but like when he first said the whole thing, like everyone knows what we're going to do, like with Dennis in the court, that doesn't really help any of that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I thought it was very funny. Like after uh, Wednesday's game, the Celtics, I think it was Jalen and Ime both said, Hey, we should play through the bigs a little bit more. Like we should, you know, let Rob Williams like initiate some of the offense, let Al Horford, if he's out there, initiate some of the offense. They tried to do that. And, you know, they would, they would give the ball to Rob and then Rob would pass it back to somebody. And then they would just ISO from there. It was very funny (laughs) because like, it was just, no, there's one extra step toward getting to the exact same thing. It was very (laughs) funny. (laughs) And predictable. Like it, it didn't, I don't understand. I, I know it just doesn't seem to me, and this is on, I think this is on everyone from Ime Udoka to Jalen Brown to Jason Tatum. It doesn't seem like there's any adjustments really being made like at surface level. I know they're not trying to do the same shit every fourth quarter because it's clearly not working. Like Jason Tatum said it after tonight's game, we're not actively trying to blow these leads. And I know Emu Doka is not actively trying to lose these games with bad rotations and stuff, but I just don't see him putting Jalen and Jason in better situations. And I don't see Jalen and Jason trying to better utilize their teammates when they get blitzed and stuff like that. Like I think top to bottom, there's just not a whole lot of adjustments being made. I don't know if there's no clarity in what those adjustments really need to be or what, but it's just like, it's the same thing again and again. It, It really truly is. Even when there's, like a slight personnel switch or something. It's the same shit. And it's it's really wild to watch because we're almost halfway through the season right now. And it seems like nothing has changed in crunch time. And that's a, that's a pretty bad sign. And the wild part too, is it's not even this season. It seems yeah. like nothing has changed for like two plus years. Yeah. I think we all agree that Celtics have a lot of good players, right? Like that's, I don't see any argument against that. Like you know, Schroeder, we we're talking about getting him off the floor in crunch time. I think we all think he's pretty good. Jalen, Jason, all-stars, Grant Williams, like having a resurgent year. Robert Williams could have like a quadruple double someday. He had like seven blocks tonight. Like he's like, he's really good. Like there's a lot of good players on this team. Are they just getting unlucky? Like, do these players just not mesh at all? Like what, like, d- did they get unlucky and have like two coaches who just don't know what to do with this lineup? Like in a row, like, I don't, understand what's happening <laughs> i wouldn't say that's unlucky maybe more incompetence yeah, yeah i don't think it's a, a matter of luck at this point unfortunately what well, i guess i meant did the celtics franchise get unlucky by having to oh i see yeah but like but i don't think brad stevens was an incompetent coach i mean we like it would be crazy to say that brad stevens was an incompetent coach whether or not he worked well with that team I mean, he was, he was literally like a great coach at Butler. He was really good his first, however many years with the Celtics. <laughs> like it, it, I don't, I don't get it. I truly are, just think. Are, it's are we like, wrong about these players being good? No, I, I don't think, I think we're wrong. And I don't think we're wrong about Brad being like a good coach either. But 
I do think there's something clearly off about this mesh of players or this mix of players. Like it's clearly not working and whether you can actually pinpoint the reason, obviously people have tried in terms of, you know, they don't get like Jalen and Jason don't get along, blah, blah, blah. Like there doesn't have to be a reason either. And like, they both can be good independently and there are games where they play really well together and there are games where they play better when the other one's unavailable, but like, it's just not working as a collective. Like it's just not. Yeah. It's not, it's not meshing. Like, I think that's what a lot of people miss. Like I felt like I was just screaming at the clouds in the fourth quarter tonight when I was just tweeting again and again, like, why is Dennis Schroeder on the floor? Why is Dennis Schroeder on the floor? Me saying that isn't saying Dennis Schroeder sucks. He just, he's a very good scorer. He just doesn't mix with this lineup. Like both things can be true. He can be a good individual talent and Josh Richardson, like just a variety of these guys, they can be good players, but I just, there's something wrong with this mix. And right now I think there's something wrong with the mix as a whole, because the coaching staff is having trouble too adjusting with these guys. Like it's, it's top to bottom. And I don't, I don't know where the hell you go from here, but it's, and that's, that's what I was going to say is okay. So it's not meshing and you can't pinpoint why. So what the hell do you do? Like, what do you move around? Tom, do, we, do I, do I need to send you the link that you tweeted out after the game? <laughs> Cause yeah, I, mean, I think yeah, we know, can, I think we know the answer. You can go draft Jaden Ivy certainly, but, uh, but it, it's, it's just mystifying. Cause it's like, is Jason Tatum the problem? Like is Jalen Brown the problem? Is Marcus Smart the problem? Is Ime Udoka the problem? Is, you know, the collection of bench players, the problem? Like, and if you can't pinpoint the problem, I don't know where you start tearing things down or where you start switching things up. Or if you, switch things up or if you just kind of let the season ride out and get Jaden Ivy and hey maybe that uh you know because you're you know seemingly headed for the lottery the way things are going like like again this is supposed to be the easy part of the schedule the Knicks are like aren't an amazing basketball team like Julius Randle today gave the fans the thumbs down sign so bad this year and he uh like was basically to I don't shut the fuck up or go fuck yourself or something I don't remember <laughs> what he said but yeah like I, I don't know I don't know how to adjust this team without pinpointing what the actual problem is. And everybody's been trying, like Nicole said, for two years now to pinpoint the problem. Brad talked about tweaks on Toucher and Rich this morning. I think that's the only place you go, right? You make small tweaks because you're not going to do an overhaul during the season that's going to be effective or that's going to put this team in Eastern Conference, you know, finals contention or something ridiculous like that. That just doesn't really happen midseason. And unless you have LeBron as your acting GM, it just doesn't really happen midseason. So I think if you're the Celtics, you probably have to try and go and you make the small changes and you do what you have to do to stay slightly above water or at water. They're certainly below water right now, <laughs> but, but, and you look toward the off season to really try to make the changes, because I think right now, the only thing you can do is make some small personnel changes around Jalen and Jason, and then you figure things out from a bigger picture come this summer. Cause I just don't see anything major happening during the season. Are you guys inclined to break up Jason and Jalen first or like get, try and get a third star? Because I think that that's probably the route they're going to take because like yeah. if you have Jalen and Jason, you want to exhaust literally every option and in Jason and Jalen's defense they have yet to have that cast yet when they're both stars so if they have a third star maybe things will change but I don't know I wonder what 
the rope is there for the front office. I'm also in the camp of thinking like, I don't even give a shit if it's not a third star. The team around them has is not very good. And so like, if you can improve the personnel group around them better than it's been last year and this year, I think that like just overhaul it somehow just really dramatically. Like, I, I don't even know. I don't, at this point, I'm not sure what third star you'd be going after. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I guess free agents probably are not very intrigued by the possibility they have going on right now. Oh, certainly with trade, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, one, you would need somebody to come available, a star to come available this offseason. What if that star isn't somebody who, like, looks like they would mesh on paper with Jalen and Jason? Like, do you put all your eggs in that basket and still make the trade anyway and just be like, I don't know what else we're supposed to do? Or the other thing you can do, and especially, like, I, I joked about Rob Williams doing quadruple doubles earlier, but like, he's really good. Like he, he's, he's going to be a good player. Do, do you look at him and say, okay, we could cross our fingers, squint our eyes a little bit. And maybe he becomes not a star, but like a good player, a third guy. And then, cause then you can try to shake somebody loose with the guys you have, because otherwise, again, you're just hoping that whatever disgruntled superstar just happens to be the perfect mix with those guys. And if they aren't, then you've gotten rid of all your assets and all your other players and like, you're going to lose all three. <laughs> like I, I would imagine that's the more, that's the easier way to build something like a contender rather than trying to just like, well, sure. Hope uh, Zach Levine wants to leave a great situation for some reason. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Zach Levine is totally out of the picture now. If you look at the first place Bulls. <laughs> Zach Levine is out of the picture and Bradley Beal stinks. So it's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I was, I didn't want to say Bradley Beal because I didn't want, you know, Gretham to cry on the podcast. No, that but... is objective at this point. He's not good. <laughs> he's not good. He fouled out with nine minutes left last night. So, so he's, he's struggling a little bit. I don't really know where the hell to turn, but. I do think that you need to, what I always come back to with this conversation is if I'm Brad Stevens, I want to exhaust all possible options while keeping Jalen and Jason on the team. They're two, like, they're two incredible wings. I want to exhaust all options I can. That rope is getting shorter and shorter, but, you know, this is a much different conversation if we're talking January, 2023. But I, that's still my end conclusion every time we have this conversation, you know? No, I totally agree with you. I just have no idea what the options are because yeah, obviously it makes sense to do tweaks and like minor moves around the edges, but like, that's not going to change anything. Like it really isn't. This This is like core to their identity, how they are right now. I have two thoughts on that. One, Gretam, you said earlier that like the the, the rest of the roster around these guys, isn't that good. Why not? Josh Richardson has been pretty good this year. If you told yeah, us- Yeah, but Josh before, Richardson isn't like a guy that's going to maximize Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor. He's a role player. These guys need role players. They have like, okay, yeah, they don't have a third star, but if these guys are everything that we've been saying they are, they have decent role players on this team. Grant Williams, like shooting the best three-point corner, you know, corner three-point percentage in the NBA right now. Josh Richardson, if you told us before the season that he was going to shoot 40% from three-point range, We'd be like, oh man, maybe the Celtics are working with something here. Dennis Schroeder is averaging like 17 points a game again. Like whatever it is, like Nicole said, it's systemic. Tatum had this really bizarre, like not bizarre, but he had this, I almost thought kind of telling quote, you know, it's not easy. I think early on, probably my rookie year, I thought that it was just normal winning all those games, winning games in the playoffs, probably taking it for granted a little bit, but just enjoy those moments. You know, stuff like this happens. And I think it makes you appreciate times like that even more, just knowing how hard it is to win this league. Like, 
in the middle of January, in the middle of the season, he's just getting all introspective, thinking back to the good old days. He's 23. That's not great. And <laughs> that like the things are going so badly that all he can do is just kind of look back and be like, man, remember when things were good? Last night, Jason Tatum just laying down in the New York City four seasons, shooting a ball in his bed, thinking about the good old days. <laughs> Hitting the, hitting the ceiling and whoever's above him is like, hey, keep it down down there. <laughs> it, it was actually, I know it, was, it wasn't it was meant to come off that way, but as I was listening to it, I was like, that's kind of bleak. Like, yeah. that's, not, that's not great. That's not great. It didn't make it sound like he was like, well, there's hope for the future. It made no. him sound like, let's try to remember the good times. <laughs> so yeah, not what you want. He just chimes in. Do you guys remember when Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier played with me? Man, that was fun. <laughs> I, I keep coming back to like just giving Terry Rozier away, like just being like, goodbye. It's also hard because like I, looking back, like putting myself back during that time, I'm sitting in my living room watching Terry Rozier on first take. And I'm like, oh, well, he's, he's out the door. So I'm not sure like. I'm all for criticizing front office like F-ups, but like there was no way Terry was going to sign and return to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean more in like a in like a broader sense like not so much in like uh in like oh like they should have re-signed him that year more so of like you identified that this guy was good enough to use him to draft him and then develop him and all that and then somewhere along the line you devalued him enough to like trade your entire roster for Kyrie Irving etc you know well and so that's interesting too in terms of maybe how they are thinking about handling Jalen and Jason like they have to be aware of how much talent has just walked out of this organization for nothing. And they cannot let that happen, obviously. And that's, we're a little bit ways off from that, but they have to be thinking about that, I think. Yeah. That's what we said on the last podcast too, okay. was like, cause I joke to you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm only half joking, but you know, like I joke to you guys sometimes like, Hey, maybe the Celtics should trade their good players for number one picks. It's like, okay, like, haha, funny, haha. But at the same time, that's a better plan than just letting them walk out the door. Like it's a, it's a better plan than like, you know, two years from now, like, you know, a year from now, Jalen's like, I, I'm so tired of this. I need to leave. You know, you might wish that you had traded these guys for players who, you know, who could come in and, and kind of give you a fresh look. In defense of your rebuttal of my like personnel tweak or, personnel upgrade say you are trying to upgrade the personnel over the next year or something I know Brad had very limited resources this past offseason but that's essentially what they tried to do and so you try to do that to a little greater level there's a very good chance in doing that that you're still running in this same circle come next year and the further you go along running in that same circle the closer you get to one or both of those guys leaving for nothing so that's why those, these next moves, whatever they may be, become so crucial because it gets you closer to that horrible scenario of one or both of them going out the door for nothing. And Tom, I said to you on the last podcast, like if one leaves for nothing, I think that's a disaster. You need like both of them obviously is doomsday, but if even one walks out the door for nothing, that is a nightmare scenario. Yeah, for sure end of the franchise scenario because like who knows what the world's gonna look like in 2030 but like jabari smith jabari smith is gonna know he's gonna know <laughs> get him like these guys are the only like whether you keep them and develop them and, and develop guys around them and be and they become you know great celtics forever 
whether you trade one of them or both of them to acquire like the pieces that become it, they are the only path the Celtics have to contention. Everything else is just like filler around the edges. So if the Celtics want to be a championship team again, that path in one way or the other runs through Jalen and Jason. I don't know. I mean, how many, how many more games of one of them being good and the other one having an off night can we have before we're just kind of like, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. And this isn't central to Jalen and Jason, but I do want to note that something that correlates with this like weird two seasons is the fact that the Celtics have had the most COVID absences. So I definitely think that that could be a factor in their performance and the vibes and the chemistry and stuff like that. However, I do wonder like one, the team's not making any excuses, but I do wonder that sucks, but it's also might've just done like irreversible damage in terms of like the team's identity and things like that. Like it sucks. And that isn't any of their own doing you would think if depending on their vaccination rates and like sort of their COVID conscious behavior or whatever, but like, theoretically that's not their fault and it's the league and like the commissioner and the scheduling and like things like that but I don't know I I wanted to acknowledge the fact that they do have the most COVID absences in the league over the past two years and that has been consistent with these funky two years but at the same time I know that's not the only reason for their poor play and I just think it doesn't matter like that happened and now it might have just done enough damage that you can't even fix it even whenever I'm healthy. Even if it was the only reason, that sucks. It still yeah. happens. It's it's very much to me it's it's very reminiscent of the Gordon Hayward injury, right? Where it's like Yeah. It's like it's super unfair that that happens and yeah, like that's the reason. Like that's the reason the 2018-19 season went off the rails. That's it sucks. Like it yeah, it ruined everything. And uh yeah, I think that there's a non-zero chance that yeah, like all the covid funkiness just ruined everything. So that would contribute to sort of your unlucky take in that they're just like cursed basically. But like, obviously, you know, the Minnesota game, like they were playing G league players. And like we said, via text, one of the questions in the press conference was, do you know all your teammates? And the answer was no. And the Celtics lost to that team. Was it Greg Monroe? Did did he uh, he not know who Jalen Noel was? (laughs) Yeah, it was Jalen Noel. And the player in question is Greg Monroe, <laughs> yeah. who was having a podium game. Like, Not playing the in the NBA. Up man who was never that good in the first place oh. was having a podium game after playing the Celtics. Washington wizard, Greg Monroe, <laughs> to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. While, while we were going over the Jason Tatum answer, I do want to kind of run back quickly to the post-game press conference. I am sorry, but Ime Udoka delivered some of the most unintentionally, unintentionally hilarious answers tonight after the game. I mean, thank just, you for bringing it back to this. Yeah. Please, please read some for us. Okay. I'll read. I'm going to do my best to not laugh through these, but he was dead serious, but they are objectively very funny. So this is what he was asked, basically, what was his message to the team after the game? And he said, repetitive result that's happening. Either we're going to make some adjustments and get tired of it, or it's going to keep happening. Message was short and sweet. Wasn't about the last play again. It was everything leading up to it. We need some leadership. Somebody that's going to, somebody that's going to calm us down 
and not get rattled when everything starts to go a little south. And I think it snowballs between our guys. Step up or <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Hang on. I'm trying to find it here. Um, so step up or going to have to stop all our momentum and pace and call a play. So that's what I said to them. He literally so, is threatening to do his job. <laughs> don't don't, I, 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 I don't make me it. be a coach. <laughs> when he, <I> was, <laughs> so step up or I'm going to have to call a play. Is that what he yeah, said? Yeah, that's literally what he said. My I'm sorry, favorite. I could not hold it. I could not keep that together. <laughs> that was a tough one. And I mean, everybody immediately like Grenham you tweeted it out and the quote tweets were all so a coach maybe yeah. a coach could do this <laughs> my personal favorite was credit John Corrales here who, who asked I think the most important question of the post-game press conference which was just hey you have Schroeder out there you have Smart out there you have one of your bigs out there uh, which I believe was Rob at that you know down the stretch there so you have three non-shooters on the floor if one of them drives and kicks I mean, there's just going to be guys that the defense doesn't have to respect. Like, what do you do about that? And Emei went into this answer and it was it, like the sets we were really running tonight. We have several options of where Jalen or Jason handles and we slip out of the play on the second side, you know, all the other stuff. Sure. And he said, so and then he finished it by saying, but across the board, I think we haven't had the best shooting year. So regardless of who we have handling out there, it's not always going to be the best shooters on the floor, especially when we have some defensive lineups as well. So Emei, who had two of his best shooters on the bench is saying, well, it doesn't matter who it is. We all suck at shooting. So it's like, <laughs> you, you guys figure it out. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. Put one of the, the shooting guys in there. And I don't know, man. I, I'm not, I mean, you know, Emei, like every other basketball coach in the world, has forgotten more than we will ever know about hoops. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, we could have done this better. Obviously, <laughs> fucking not. Like, yeah. I don't, that, that answer, it did nothing for me um, other than make me laugh at him calling all his shooters bad. <laughs> I think people have been trying to put off the email criticism maybe as long as possible this season. One, because he's a rookie head coach. And two, because of, as we've mentioned, the Celtics have been having these problems pre email yeah, too. I but tonight was real bad. And like, it's getting harder and harder to not include him in the WTF is going on. I'm still more than ready to give Ime like more time. Like yeah. he's a rookie head coach. He's the guy that the players all wanted. If the Celt if you're the Celtics and you know, you're like, we got to give this guy a lot more time. I understand that. I'm good with it. That makes sense to me. I will say two things though. Number one, players are not good GMs and like giving this players like a lot of say, sure. You want to do that because you want to keep these guys happy. But if there was, if there was a different guy out there that the Celtics wanted, it like, and they didn't take him because they wanted to keep the players happy. That's a problem. And number two, if Brad was having these issues with this team and he couldn't figure out how to coach them, it is a little bit like, huh, the coach who couldn't coach them is the guy who chose the new coach. So I don't know. Like, again, I am perfectly willing to give email a lot more leeway, a lot more time, all that stuff. And the players for the record are all behind him. They all say all the right things about him. Like Rob after the game was like, email's right. Email's right. Jalen and Jason have been like, he's doing a great job. I really appreciate getting coached hard by him. I know there's been a lot of whining on Twitter about like, email always calls out his players. He always like, you know, he's always blaming everybody else. The players don't care about that. Like yeah. they clearly don't. They talk well about him all the time, but like, I guess those would be my question marks about it at this point. 
And like, I think he has plenty of leeway. I don't think his job is in jeopardy or, any, yeah, or anything right. of that nature at this point. But I do think it's a little damning to have, like those quotes are the perfect example of how the basketball decisions aren't going super well and the motivation and leadership stuff isn't going that much better. Like, what do we have here? Yeah. Like, just what's going on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom, like you said, growing into a new coaching role with a new team and stuff, it, that's not an overnight thing. And I get we are almost halfway into the season, but still, that's not a whole lot of time. Like there is still like it takes a little while. So I'm I'm not up here screaming. Ime sucks. You know, he's on the hot seat. That's by no means the case. But it's impossible to watch the second half tonight and look at the a lack of adjustments and b lack of creativity offensively with this offense and say, all right, that that's not good. Like that was like, it's just kind of objective with a game like tonight against the Knicks. So that's just sort of where I'm at with him. It's like, all right, where, where, where are the adjustments? Like, what are, what are we looking at here? Because I'm not seeing anything. Maybe I'm missing something, but there's not a whole lot of adjustments. There certainly hasn't been a whole lot of adjustments with late game rotations that I think have been, relatively disastrous and i just there's plenty of you know he's not on the hot seat by any means but there's got to be something something's got to give here because it hasn't been good and those adjustments need to be a little more in plain sight i guess right and 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 when you say you know there were no adjustments made down the stretch you know everything you're just gonna that that really makes his quote that you read or i think that i read because you couldn't read it Um, I think it snowballs between our guys. So step up or, you know, I'm going to have to stop all our momentum and pace and call play. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, he was basically like, am I going to have to coach? Like, cause (laughs) don't you dare make me coach. I'll call a play. I swear to God, this play around. I will call a play. I swear to God. It's like, I will turn this season around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you may yeah, you know what? Now I should mention it. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, this needs to go in a different direction, man. That's a great idea. This is why you're the coach. Sounds like you'd make a great coach. <laughs> Some guy tweeted back to me. This is a bus driver asking, am I going to have to drive this bus? <laughs> <laughs> Chef, am I going to have to cook this steak? <laughs> I'll do it. Throw this shit on the grill. We always want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company, they're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, but plenty of other delicious products like Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check, but we here at Geno Time are biased toward the Geno Time Stout. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades On's Beer Garden and Tasting Room. They're down in West Kingston, Rhode Island. And if you're a Celtics fan in the Boston area, keep an eye out for the Geno Time Stout at your local liquor stores or any other Shades On Beer Company products. Really, if you're a Celtics fan anywhere in New England, keep an eye out for any of the shades on beer company products. I mean, that's, that's really all I had from this game. I like RJ Barrett's shot. If you go back and watch it, it's like, it was Tatum literally defended it perfectly yeah. hand up on the left side where Barrett wanted. I mean, any, any closer to him, he would have fouled him. Barrett just hucked that thing off the glass and in like, you know, that didn't do anything for me. I mean, even, you know, as much as we've talked about Schroeder, he wasn't bad tonight no, by any means. No. He, Tatum had 36 and nine assists. Like Tatum was great. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, there's a lot of good players on the team. I mean, Rob had, you know, seven blocks and like the Knicks did not want to drive on him for a lot of that game. Like 
all these guys, there were all of these genuine bright spots and mm. here we are, um, you know, doing, doing the Geno time thing afterward. One of the other takeaways that I have Spurs game included, I have to go back and watch both tonight and Wednesday's game, but I'd <laughs> love you are, you are. Oh, well, I just, I want to go back specifically with a Jalen centric view on this because Jalen shot the ball once in the fourth quarter tonight. And on Wednesday night, he had 30 points, but he scored two in the fourth quarter. And he really wasn't involved in that offense at all until the last two, th- maybe three minutes. So I'd love to see where that inactivity and is, is really coming from. If, if it's a, self-inflicted thing if it's just the offense not running through him like I'd love to go back and watch it but I think it's really notable how like tonight 12 points in the first quarter looks great off to a great start and then it's just Tatum the rest of the way he had four points the rest of the game after a 12 point first quarter like he was just a no-show and Tatum tonight was completely on his own it was all Jalen for a lot of that Spurs game and then he just disappears in the fourth so there's there's a lot of inconsistencies within even some of the bright spots on this roster. And I think that's pretty concerning. Again, I, I want to go back and watch just so I actually know what I'm looking at here and what I'm talking about. But I think it's interesting. Some of the in-game ups and downs that guys like Jalen have, have been through. Definitely. And I think that, you know, I think that goes back to the Celtics, not really having like much of a plan that they keep reverting back to these same things. And that Jalen keeps getting, I don't think anybody's intentionally freezing Jalen Brown out of fourth quarters. I just think that the offense is, you know, kind of has been what it has been and it hasn't really changed. And as long as it doesn't change, that's going to keep freezing Jalen out. So yeah, no, I think that's a great thing to go back and watch because like maybe the, you know, the guy who just dropped 40 could, could help you a little bit. If you're just dropped 50, I should say then maybe that maybe, maybe that guy could help you a little bit uh, down the stretch. If if you're onto something stagnant. Yeah. 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 Don't make Jalen Brown come in and be a scorer. Because yeah, God damn it, he will. He will. He'll do it. Really weird. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, you rely – the goal here all along is to get these two guys going simultaneously, right? And when they're healthy, that's been an issue this year. And when just one of them is going or a team successfully squeezes out both of them down the stretch, the supporting cast hasn't been able to pick it up and pick up the slack. So, like – it's just they can't seem to get everything going at once, and it, it's brutal to watch. It's, it's frustrating to watch, honestly. As a, as a non-Celtics fan who watches every one of their games, it's truly frustrating to watch because, Tom, it comes back to what you said earlier. It's not a bad roster. These aren't bad players. It's just oh. a bad mix at this point, and it's just not working, and it's kind of dumbfounding why it's so consistently not working. I will say that the upcoming stretch, they play the Knicks again and then the Pacers twice. Do you guys know what the Celtics' longest win streak is this season? Three? Yeah, they they won three games in a row one time. The Lakers, the Thunder, and the Rockets. (laughs) One time. If we're trying to be optimistic, and I know that sounds ridiculous when they've lost to like the G League Timberwolves and a whole host of other bad teams, but like they do have a relatively easy, like three game slate coming up. So like, if there's any hope that they actually do start to turn this around, it is like the upcoming games are theoretically favorable for them. 
I gave Tom the same spin after the Timberwolves game <laughs> and I was trying to be optimistic and Tom was like, no, nah, shut the hell up. Like, no, that's, we, we've seen what they do against bad teams. No. And I was like, all right, I tried. Okay, I tried. <laughs> and I agree. Like if they're like, this could be a stretch of turnaround. And what I said on the last episode was if, if they do like, say they, they sweep the Pacers and they go and they beat the Knicks on Saturday and whatever. And they really turned around now that, they've hopefully get a lot of these COVID absences out of the way because they've had a lot of positive tests and they can start to turn things around. My, my greater opinion on this team just doesn't change. Like I, it just really doesn't change because I don't think beating a bunch of bad teams that are probably COVID ridden as well is going to change my big picture opinion on this team. Totally. It doesn't change the big, the, it doesn't change the big picture at all, but just in terms of like the short term and them just trying to like rectify this season yeah. in the slightest. Yeah. I disagree. I think beating some bad teams and actually like taking care of business actually, you know, is almost like sort of progress. Like it would, oh, well, it would definitely be progress. It would it, definitely it would, be progress. It would change the way I look at this team because right now I'm looking at them and I'm like, you lost to the Timberwolves with all G league players. You almost lost to the magic who are terrible. Like, you have all these terrible losses on your record. Yeah, like beat some bad teams one time. <laughs> Do you think the Celtics will win five games in a row this season? No. No. I really don't. No. Four. No. I think even four. I can't believe they won three, to be they honest. They are so inconsistent. They have given me no reason to think that they can string four wins in a row together, even if yeah. it's against easy teams. I, I totally agree. And I think Not that there's point. the indictment itself, which is why – a string of wins really means nothing. The fact that we aren't sure if they can win four games in a row. But then if they did it, I would be like, oh, well, I guess they can. <laughs> the Houston Rockets won seven games in a row. And that changed my opinion of the Houston Rockets. <laughs> it definitely changed my opinion of Garrison Matthews. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. I wish Garrison Matthews was on this team just because I know he wouldn't be playing a goddamn second. And, oh, it, would be, and it would be so frustrating. And he made such a good decision turning down that two-way deal. Oh, man. <laughs> if he was on this team, he would be like just Sam Housard out of here. Oh, like, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jabari yeah. Parker would be getting way more minutes than Garrison. Yeah. They would keep Jabari Parker for some reason. It would, But I guess maybe then they would cut Ennis, so then they'd still be good. All right. Uh, I think uh, unless you guys have anything else, we can stop complaining about the Celtics there. As always, we appreciate everybody for listening, everybody who's left us a rating or a review. And we will talk to you all again later this week.